0: all right sir uh w- welcome back you are no longer a guest because you've been here <laughs> before so if you want to introduce yourself
1: please you do so <laughs> thank you sir uh this, I, this is uh my name is Abram i uh, been an educator for now for about 15 years um, United States Air Force veteran as well appreciate you having me back man
0: absolutely absolutely so we got a lot to talk about today I'm gonna set the stage right uh here's our guy. Here's our guy, the talent right here. What's up, c straight.
2: You <laughs> see this ugly camera I got going, man. I got camera problems tonight. How y'all doing? How, how you doing, man? <laughs> good, good. Nice to see you. Hey. Brother Dr. Abram. Hey, listen. Right, good to see you, man. I saw you on another show with uh with uh the parent defender here, and you were the real talent on this show. <laughs> We're the only ones sticking up for brothers. So, oh, man. Sure? I appreciate it.
1: Oh, man. You know, uh, I, I speak from the heart and I try to keep it real. That's basically it for me.
2: I appreciate it. Yeah. appreciate it because some of us out here be out here defending everything. But brothers, go ahead, parent defender. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's all about?
0: good, man. My energy is not going to change. I'm in I'm in a, a forgiven state of being. Good. and It's the holiday season and it's good to feel that way. So I wanna start us off with a quote, right? So Malcolm X says, uh, the greatest mistake of the movement has been trying to organize a sleeping people around specific goals. Mm -hmm. You have to wake the people up first, then you'll get action. So when I say that to y'all, what resonates?
1: I'll jump in. What resonates with me is the wake part, you know? over the past year, we've been talking about people being, well, not even a year, the past couple of years, talk about people being woke, but they really don't quite get, in my estimation, what woke means or what waking up means. And so for me, what Brother Malcolm was talking about was, you know, uh, amongst many things was, number one, being informed and uh, to, to, to quote gentlemen from uh, previous episodes, decolonize your mind. Uh, Black people decolonizing their minds with the things that we've been socialized to believe uh, living in the United States and the things that we've, quite frankly, been indoctrinated to believe with regards to information and, more importantly, how to use that information. And so once we're able to get to that point collectively, yeah, yeah, then I think we can do what Malcolm says and start organizing around those sorts of things. So that's that's just my take.
0: Yeah. Hey, And listen, it's an excellent take. But what, what I'm getting to is that right now, it seems like folks that are on the ed reform side, and, and I'm not going to label you and say that you're an ed reformer because, you know, I I don't know what side you, you, you're on. But if you are on the side of giving parents the choice to select whatever schools that they would like for their, their kids to go to, because my belief is parents are the experts of their kids, mm-hmm. then right now, the people that are on that side getting out organized by teachers unions
1: mhm mm-hmm. uh you know i again I, I still think it goes back to um uh in informing this group in a sense um my circle of friends you know you, you start out changing the world by by changing the people who are within your reach first so we talk about these things within my circle of friends all of whom are, are professionals in various fields and things of that nature And as the more we talk, the more people are introducing information and are able to process it and then come to logical conclusions with regards to self-determination and having their kids educated. And there is not a person within my group, so to speak, my small group, who doesn't believe parents shouldn't have a choice, especially in light of the decades of failures that the current system in its current iteration has had with regards to educating Black uh, and brown kids across the country. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, it still falls back to being mm-hmm. informed and then not only to, to using that information to to engage and to uh, to act, so to speak.
2: I know I might be speaking- Breezy, jump this, in right? here. Yeah. No, you're, you're all good. <laughs> Breezy, yeah. what's your thoughts? I'm agreeing with a lot of what I'm hearing right now, but I just think like, you know, you have to start with some sort of analysis of the system itself. Mm-hmm. Or that you're not asleep, right? So uh, I love movies like The Matrix and Pink Floyd, mm-hmm. The Wall, and any of these movies that are predicated on the idea that everybody is asleep in some way, and, and you need to pull the plug from out of the back of your head so that you can join the world of the knowing. You look at the education system, the court system, the judicial system, all of the systems of the United States require some sort of critique an analysis of what these systems are for, where they come from, how where they started, how did they progress. And the education one, I think, is one of the most interesting ones because, well, let me just introduce something. When we talk about slaves who came over on ships, one of the things that I think we often miss is how young they were. Mm. There was a preference for adolescents was a present, uh, 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 there was a preference for 12 year olds, 13 year olds, 14 year olds. Mm-hmm. The reason for that preference was because you can train them up to be the slaves that you need them to be later, right? They'll have re- they'll have less of a context and frame for resisting because they're young because they're kids. So the American education system, the thing that we're sleeping on is we think it's this fairly benign system where good-hearted and good-natured people, devote their lives to teaching you. What we miss is that it is as much a part of a system of social control as all the other systems are collectively. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, it would take a lot of intellectual gymnastics to remove the education system from all the other systems and and pretend like it's this precious little side system that doesn't have the same aims and goals for the outcomes that we're getting, which are basically one group comes out on top, Mm -hmm. everybody else comes out as workers right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't start with that analysis, you're going to be arguing about all the wrong things, right? You're going to be arguing about uh, symptoms of the system rather than the system itself. This is why I'm not on the reform side because I've always made this Mm. distinction between civil rights and abolition. Civil rights believe that the system is basically good and with some fixes, some tweaks, it will be great for everybody, Abolition realizes from day one that the system is wrong. It's bad, it's immoral, needs to be stopped. So there is no reforming. There are no slavery reformers. There are no reformers (laughs) of slavery, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And we joked about this before, like what would that look like? You know, how about if we don't work 12 hours a day? How about if we just work six, right? And still don't own anything or whatnot. That would be slavery reform. Um, abolition would say, no, 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 this isn't a system of education, this is a system of miseducation, and the best we could possibly do is get our people out of it and into into a humane education system, one that's I built for them. And 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 um, so anyways, my long-winded way of, of just basically saying, we could argue about a lot of things, but if we're not talking about the system itself as a, cont- if we don't contextualize the system, into the bigger systems of oppression. Um we're going to be arguing about the wrong thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, it, yeah, I I, and the I theory. think that's that's what that's what we fall into. We thought we we argue about the wrong things. So, let me let me let me set the stage for uh for 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 the teachers union, right? Because I think that I think a, a lot of times when we talk about teachers unions, we get things wrong. terms of in terms of how how what they're supposed to be doing right so the number one job of a teacher's union is to advocate for its members uh the the people that pay dues to that union and honestly from my vantage point these unions are doing an amazing job Mm -hmm. at advocating for their employees what are y'all's thoughts well,
1: <laughs> go ahead, C. Straight.
2: <laughs> I mean, like, that would be like if we were having this, this conversation 100 years ago and you said, Now, what do you feel about the night riders and the night patrollers? <laughs> and I would say they're bad, but they're also part of an ecosystem of other actors that work together as a self reinforcing invisible fence that prevent us from having freedom. You have teachers unions, you got school board associations, you have superintendents associations, you've got associations of metropolitan school districts. I can keep going down the list of the number of uh, organizers within the system. These are like, if you're in the matrix, all of these are like sentinels, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's what these are. These are all sentinels. But we we can, I mean, the teachers union is the most visible, so we can pull them up for discussion. Yes, they are doing a very good job of advocating for a system of oppression, um, but they are one of probably eight, nine, ten other associations that all have a vested interest in keeping your black behind in a classroom that they dominate. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just going to go piggyback yeah, off of agreed. what you said uh, uh, previously where you you were talking about um, ed reformers versus abolitionists. And I couldn't help but think about when I transitioned from ed reformer (laughs) to abolitionist, and it had a lot to do with my experiences. And just, uh, you know, I I was was, uh, completing some coursework in ed leadership And what I realized in working in various systems in three different states uh, in this one day, it dawned on me, I was like, you know what? The purpose of the system is to maintain itself. It's not to help, it's not to educate, it's not to do what's in the best interest of students and families. And it was just like a light bulb. But I share that to say, it took me getting formal education plus the experiences that I had to come to that realization. And so that goes back to my original point where I think people have to, we have to inform parents, especially black parents, brown parents, so forth, uh, because a lot of them don't know. I think somebody in the chat said, people don't know what they don't know. And so I think that's what what goes to that. Secondly, with regards to unions, man, you know, (laughs) if you go back to the history of it, you know, uh, unions have been uh, in lockstep with the civil rights movement. Going all the way back to Frederick Douglass, um, and the teachers' unions, when they came about, um, they they came about to do exactly what unions are meant to do, and that is to advocate for the best interest of the members of that union for wages, uh, to for for benefits, pensions, all of that sort of thing. And the teachers' union is doing a great job. Mm-hmm. And I want to say this: I am not told, because of the history. Uh, that aligns with the African American struggle for civil rights, which we know in and of itself was not enough, even though we wouldn't be here today had it not occurred. Um, I, I can't separate the labor movement from uh, black struggle. And so that's why I look I at can. it from a. From, oh, you can? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can. And given history, I can. As a matter of fact, their history is not in, lock, in lockstep with black struggles for freedom. As a matter of fact, that's one of the that's one of the mythologies of their movement is that they were always with us. People don't know that seniority actually one of the tenets of labor unionism seniority was a way to keep white workers ahead of black workers. Yes. Right? And it had more damaging it has it has had material consequences since the 60s. Prior to the 60s, um, people should read Herbert Hill. He was um he was uh, the NAACP's person who was uh, who who studied and monitored labor, and his entire life's workings is about all the racism that they encountered within uh, big labor. And um, the, you should also look at Paul uh, Moreno's work about black labor and labor unions. You'll find really interesting things there about labor unionists killing black people. Some of the biggest massacres of black people were lab, white labor workers in the unions who oh, so any black workers. Um, And and folks should also look at a book called Uncivil Uncivil Rights, which is a book Mm -hmm. about the teachers unions forming because white teachers didn't want to be made to be assigned to Negro schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so the the labor doesn't escape a racial critique at all. And by history, they really don't escape one. Matter of fact, Mother Jones, let me just keep throwing out a fact. (laughs) Mother Jones, the magazine is named after Mother Jones. Who is a woman who demanded that she be buried with the white workers that shot up train cars of black folks migrating from the south. Mm -hmm. Shot and killed black workers. Um, And she demanded that she be buried with those white workers who did that. That's where Mother Jones comes from. I think the labor union has sprinkled some of that matrix dust on us too. Yeah.
0: So, and, hey, so uh, there's a real I know, Doc, that was a, a lot, real interesting
2: you should question. let Doc get back in there because I just said too much. I just said a lot. <laughs> you yeah. should let it back here. Doc, <laughs> Doc, jump in here real quick, but I want to get to this question.
1: So go ahead, Doc. Gotcha. Just real quick. Uh w- When I'm talking, I'm talking about, when I talk about in lockstep, I'm talking about the people like Bade Rustin and uh, A. Philip Randolph and the work that they did in advocating for black workers specifically. Or well, we are well aware of the purpose, <laughs> historically, of white uh, unions and the atrocities and the terrorism that they inflicted upon uh, our communities, especially. And so, mm. I, I should have been a little bit more targeted. But I'm I'm specifically talking about some people who I am more familiar with, such as A. Philip Randolph and those and those folks, people like uh, uh, what's her name, um, the uh, the Domestic Workers Union, um, uh, Dorothy uh, Bolden, I think. Um, because my grandmother, and again, a lot of my education is, is, is spurred upon by my experiences and the experiences of my family. My grandmother was a domestic worker here in the South. And so um, thinking about when she passed away and what she didn't have when she passed away and how these labor movements allowed her to get certain things in though. Black labor unions, excuse
2: me. <laughs> okay, now that, that, there you go there. Now you added the critical yeah. component, which is when black labor unions merged with white ones, they were warned that they were about to lose their power. Yes. And when black teachers unions and the black educator associations merged with the white ones, all of the leaders of the black educator unions told them, don't do it. Don't do it. You're about to lose our power. And sure enough, they did it. And they lost their power
1: and they lost their power. And that's where we're yeah. on the same, on the same that's page. Right.
2: That's right. Yeah. I agree with that.
1: Yeah. but, so, but so, so
0: we talked about what unions were, right? So let mm. me lay out what unions are not. Right. So, so <laughs> yeah, unions are not, so say they're, they're not supposed to advocate. they are not supposed to advocate for students and families. They don't. Um, and as barbaric as this may sound, uh, <sighs> man what are we gonna do for the folks that that don't have anybody advocating for them? that's the, that's the question of that's the question of the hour right there right so so it's, it's not to, to bash unions because like like I said, I'm giving them their pressure. They do what they need to do. They mm. do what they need to do right mm. But so what do we do and, and and what do we give folks in order to advocate for themselves? or whatever. So, you know, you can work, you you got some workarounds.
2: Mm, I mean, I want to ask doc that question with a different frame on it, just like with a different frame on it. Cause you said, I was interested in your journey from becoming Mm -hmm. unknowing to knowing, and -hmm. you got a formal education along the way, and you were somehow willing to transgress the system of academia to, to use your learning for good. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of people are presented with the idea that you either join um, academia and you become one of them, you join the Ebony Tower, or you do what you do, which is transgress, you know, like you infiltrate and double cross, you, you infiltrate, get the information, and then you bring it back to your people in a way they understand. I want to ask, Ray, the reason I'm hijacking your question is a little bit, because I, I want to flip the presumption, the class-based presumption that our people in the lower classes are the ones that don't have a little bit of realistic knowledge that they can use right now. Let's just say that they're the ones that really do and it's our educated folks that don't. I'd be interested in what we do for our educated folks to get them to transgress the systems that have produced them so that they start speaking the real to the people and to the masses.
1: Oh, that is a great question. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Go ahead, uh, Ray. I'm sorry. Was a question no, on me.
0: you? On you? Wait! Don't try to
1: throw it to me. Oh no! no <laughs> because I, you know what? I love the way he framed it because one of the things that um that pushed me, so to speak, what has a lot to do with again my background. My background is in mental health and school counseling, so I have a whole nother perspective in how I get to work with parents and how I get to work with students. And I'm telling y'all, once you start working with parents and students, and you start Empathizing with stories, and you see the struggles, and you see people, you know, these narratives out here that people don't care about education, it's all BS. You know, these narratives that they don't, that that people aren't working hard, it's all BS. Mm. And so, once I actually saw that working from a humanistic perspective, and I listened to the human stories, not just black, but just the human stories of black people, there was no way in the world. I could stay uh and be a part of the status quo. I love it. There's mm. no way in the world. Mm. Um, so now I'm in a double bind because now I have to meet morally I'm I'm pu- I'm pulled because I have to take care of my family. But at the same time, there's no way I'm gonna be a part of the status quo and continue to hurt our kids. So you talk about that double consciousness and how. You know, uh, we're, we're code switching every day. And even in my current job, I'm behind enemy lines, mm. taking what I can learn and then applying it to to try to help those within my own community first. Remember, change starts with people who are within arm's length first. Right. Mm-hmm. And so those, that's where I'm working. So I, I appreciate you framing that question. Do I have a magic answer? <laughs> no. But what I would say is, is we've got to start, as Booker T. Washington would say, we've got to start pulling that veil of ignorance. Not ignorance in a negative connotation, but ignorance in a way of just not knowing uh, amongst those who aren't in these systems and who can't see it or live what these systems are. Mm -hmm. I've seen some abhorrent things in education. I was like, I ain't no way in hell I can be a part of this. Not while y'all hurting my kids. No. Yeah. And I'm not talking about my biological. So I'm I'm (laughs)
0: Uh, they all our kids. if we work with them, they're our kids. hey listen so i'm I'm gonna share a screen with y'all of of, of of something that is giving me anxiety. and so this happened in New York, right? and so uh, it says teachers unions gain in legislature uh, uh, include electing their own. so not only are they out organizing us, but they're mm-hmm. putting together political campaigns, getting folks to come out and support these campaigns and they win in these elections. and mm-hmm. so you know what what do you guys have to
2: say about that? Well, I don't know who the us is that they're or out organizing, right? Because the system's just going to system. The system's been doing- Are like you winning elections? Years. I mean, like, am I running an election, right? And am am I running it even on education? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, they're winning seats. They're winning power. I expect power to do power. I expect power to do what it's supposed to do. So you said it earlier. They're representing their members. They're doing a good job of it. They're doing their thing. If there's another week, that isn't part of them, that needs to actually come clean with something and be clear. Listen, when you set up schools that work outside of the system, even some that don't, when you set up alternatives, when you set up other ways of learning, you develop a waiting list. So people of lower means already telling you that they know what they want and they know Mm -hmm. because they're showing up when you open these things. Mm -hmm. So, How much of that are you opening up? The Booker T. Washington philosophy of things is let W.E.B. Du Bois do all the talking and eat cucumber sandwiches with the (laughs) white folks up north. What I'm going to do over here is I'm going to build up some Black educational capital because I know the Black masses will be served by Black educational capital while the rest of y'all are over there having these nice arguments about voting rights and all that type of stuff, which is not immaterial, but in a capitalist system, what capital understands is capital. Like we can't (laughs) speak truth to power. We got to speak power to power. And in a capitalist system, the only language that capitalism understands is capital. So if you're not building black educational capital, you can't bemoan these folks for building up political capital on this other side here. And then all of our educated Negroes who are killing us will join the political capital group, but we'll be building that house on sand because we don't Mm -hmm. own anything. Mm -hmm. We don't don't own the means of production. Mm -hmm. Uh, We got our HBCUs hanging on by a thread. Mm -hmm. Thank God and, and Booker T. Washington for that. But we're modern day Negroes who have way more than Booker T. had doing to open up what Black people on the ground really do want, which is open an option. Right, they'll get out of the system. All this around empowering our parents, involving our parents, Mm -hmm. teaching our parents. Let's show them the way. These are all class-based kind of theorems. Mm -hmm. When you open up an avenue to opportunity, black people show up. So Negroes of means need to keep opening up those opportunities, build educational capital, and then you will have political capital. I think, uh, through the basis of, 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 of that, just my own, just my thinking. So Ray, you on the Vanguard, man, you running the school, yeah. so, running school yeah, so, so, and starting. Them.
0: Yeah. And so, so here, here's what you see, right. Uh, for folks that, for, for folks that look like us that are, that are out trying to run schools, uh, you're not getting as much support from uh, you are you, just not getting as much support in order to open these schools, mm-hmm. in order to be successful at running these schools. So, for example, you got you got people that are that will open a school. You got a principal that'll open a school of a let's say an independent charter school, and there's really no support. Um, folks come in with this with, with this attitude like they can do it all, and they mm-hmm. don't reach out to other people that have done it in order to obtain support. Mm-hmm. Like I I couldn't see somebody opening a school and not having a mentor. Like, what the hell are you even doing? That's the Mm -hmm. first thing you put in your budget is to be able to call somebody that has gone through the things that you have gone through. And so you can work it out with that person to where that person is giving you ideas about what best practices look like and things that you can do in order to improve education for black kids. And so what you have is you'll have folks that are hoarding their budgets, like it's their money, right? Mm -hmm. And not Mm -hmm. trying to get help And then in two years, the school is getting closed down and then Mm -hmm. they're wondering why. Right. I know Mm -hmm. why. It's because you're not being smart about the things that the the things that you need to do. If I didn't know how to do something, I'm picking up the phone. I'm. -hmm. yo, Listen, you got to be very you got to have a a high level of humility as a school leader. Right. And one of those things is being self-reflective about the things that you don't know. If Mm -hmm. I don't know something, then I'm going to find out about it. And, and, And Chris. You know, you you say this a lot or whatever when you became when you when you became a parent about the things that, you know, you didn't know and you had to ask questions and you had to run in circles that you may not have ran in or whatever. But in order to get the information that you needed in order to be a good parent, you had to go into those circles and do those things. And it's the same thing as a school leader. It's the same thing as any kind of educator. If you want to be really good then you got to rub elbows with the people that are great. Yeah, that's it.
2: Yeah, I'd encourage people to really look to Vanessa Siddle Walker's work on this. Like her research around what Black educators used to do, the fairly sophisticated system before Brown, the fairly sophisticated system that Black educators had across the American South of sharing pedagogical information. So when I say um, Black educational capital, I'm talking about all of that that was lost in 1954. And if anybody really wants to look it up or read it or you know get in and see how sophisticated the systems were of sharing amongst Black educators, I'd say look at Vanessa Siddle Walker's work because it was there. We've done it before. We got to stop acting like you know that 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 theory that what is it? Those who who don't those who don't know about their history are doomed to repeat it. I think I would I would alter to it repeat it. this conversation say. Um, those who don't know their history are doomed to not repeating the best parts of it, right? Because mm-hmm. we don't have to invent yes. stuff. We have a you know a ten thousand year legacy of things that we've done already, right? So let's not start from scratch, bro. How about we just don't start from scratch? We've had <laughs> systems of educators sharing with each other before. Yeah,
1: what happened to it? <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Jump in <laughs> here, Doc. Listen, I, everything that I'm hearing now is, is 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 like a sweet song to my ears. Um, I, I feel like a deacon at a church. All I can do is say amen. Um, and, and with regards to seeking mentors, not reinventing the wheel, because we have a, a strong legacy of doing things, but picking, cherry picking those things that have worked well in the past, all for it, all on board with regards to moving forward with uh in in pushing so to speak um to build that power um uh, uh, one of the statements um see craig see straight just um made was you know we we got to stop talking about speaking truth to power but instead power to power and and in this country power to power means that you are able to what uh, find those funding uh stream revenue streams and things of that nature to help to gain the power needed in this country to do the things that we're trying to do. So, with regards to that, I, you know, I'm I can be cynical sometimes because Ray, I know you're you're one who's looking for, uh, just what I know of you, looking to reach out to people and connect. And I'm, you know, I'm hesitant sometimes because, on the other side, there are individuals who would co-opt what we're trying to do. For black children, for children who are historically marginalized and oppressed, to to meet their political ideology or their political agendas, and they don't really have our kids' best interests at heart. And so some people say, "Well, take what you can while you can," and I'm like, "But well, you know, long term, it, it it can put us right back where we started." And so I'm conflicted in that sense. Um, and my friends think that I'm a segregationist because, you know, I you know, I, I really do pull from, uh, Booker T. Washington, who, by the way, was, uh, sending funds to W.E.B. and them because he did believe in.
2: He certainly uh, was. He certainly <laughs> was. And, and funding civil rights lawsuits.
1: Funding civil rights. It speaks yeah. to his brilliance though. Uh, yeah. in, in, in that he, he, he recognized the importance of building a foundation set upon ourselves and working from that. And that's where I am right now. It's why I have some issues with people who are uh, 30 under 30 and all that sort of thing. and uh, Because I don't think that they're in well, I'll just leave it there. Yeah. No, Woo, you about to say something? I, <laughs> hey, you got you, hey, to be when you
0: say when you say when you say words like when you say words like that s word you just said segregationist right you got yeah you, know, you got to be careful when you say that word I, know. I said that word before and I think I wrote a piece on it I wrote a piece on that right and then the mm-hmm. next thing you know uh my I've been the call from one of my board members saying hey we got a we got a concerned email that you know you're a
1: segregationist. Yeah. I what segregation is. Why would not be? Let me operationalize that for that very purpose. And what I'm yeah. saying is, as a not not as a segreg, I'm not a segreg. I'm not a George Wallace. <laughs> Anything <Nope>. like that. <laughs> what I'm saying is, <laughs> is the foundation has to be us because typically, once we start doing for self, everybody tends to benefit, and we have never been one to turn anyone away. Mm-hmm. And so that's the premise that I'm working from: is that the yeah. foundation needs to start with us, as opposed to starting with these systems that are rooted in uh, white supremacy. To be be quite honest, um, and so yeah, that, that's see, where I am. Yeah, <laughs> does that help? I hope it yeah, helps. And you're, you're in the
0: right you're in the right space. You're not getting in, in, into any trouble, because when I think about Brown, I, I think about, you know, just everything that came from that and, and how that destroyed public education for black folks, in my opinion. Right. And I'm willing to pull research for, for folks that are, are challenging that. I have no problems with doing that. Oh. Um, oh, but So, you know, from from, from that. Yeah. From, from that perspective, it's like, what the hell do you what do you think would have happened if it was if it was separate but equal? Like what kind of Wakanda-type of establishments do you oh. think we would have been able to formulate? Because I, I'm, I'm of the thinking, and everybody knows this, uh, Charles says that I, I I bit off of him, but I, I think that it's my thinking as well, right, is we that know, black folks do. don't need to be in close proximity of, of whiteness in oh, order for black love. folks we to be excellent. Word. We Could be not smart.
1: be succeed or to be excellent. <laughs> to be. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> listen hey so black folks you know black folks are, are capable more than capable of, more than of, of, of doing what they what they need to do and, yeah and so I was proposing and uh see start so you saw a, a Twitter exchange I had with, with somebody the other day and, and you know you were getting on me about it but um this person is far left I'm far right I consider uh when, when it comes down to educational issues but the meeting point was what would a uh what would what would a school? Of black and brown kids that are, and Kyrie, I see you in the comments, right? What what, what would a school of black and brown kids, uh, a high school, a magnet school, right? Of kids uh, that score level fours uh, in both ELA and reading, or if you did portfolios and these kids showed that they were capable of doing the work, what would a school like that look like in New York City as opposed to? Uh, us fighting for, for scraps in order to get into these other schools mm. that have a close proximity of whiteness. Like what would that look like?
2: I mean, it would probably look like Dunbar High School at one point. It would probably look like uh, Crispus uh-huh. Attic in Indianapolis. You know, we, uh-huh. have, we have models uh-huh. in our history. Uh, mm-hmm. Crispus Attics in, De- or in uh, Indianapolis is my favorite mm-hmm. story because, you know, that school was set up by the White Citizens Council. And they pulled Black people out of all the surrounding schools to put them into this one segregated school that they were going to, you know, that it was almost like punishment. You know, it's the White Citizens Council. They're putting you into a school uh, to be segregated and whatnot. Turns out at that, at that time, Black PhDs could not get um, work at the college level. So all the teachers ended up being Black PhDs. And that school, Crispus Attucks, uh, outperformed the entire state. <laughs> it, that school actually generated Congress people and great jazz artists. The first black basketball team to win state—like um, it, it just became kind of like a boom. And it wasn't even self-segregation; it was it was segregated on purpose. But the teachers were top drawer, right? Mm-hmm. So if you were going to ask that same question, yeah. we have a school here in in uh, in uh, the Twin Cities, Higher Ground Academy started uh, with Bill Wilson, who has now passed away, who grew up in in Indianapolis during segregation. And when he started his school, he started it with all black PhDs as teachers. Mm -hmm. School instantly, in the middle of a city failing every black kid, school instantly outperformed all the schools, Mm -hmm. right? Just Mm -hmm. tell me that might be what it looks like, really great teachers, fantastic Mm -hmm. teachers who care. Mm -hmm. matched fantastic teachers could probably take a group of kids and teach them under a tree in the back of a van, on mm-hmm. roller skates, on a boat, <laughs> just about anywhere.
1: And more importantly, would be able to teach white yeah. students the same way.
2: Well, see, I didn't go that far, but- uh, Well, I say that because,
1: <laughs> because because what we have right now is that white students, <laughs> white students aren't being taught and that's how this cycle is continuing to perpetuate itself. Because they're coming up in the same system mm. Increasingly leaving <laughs> in order to maintain maintain their dollars, uh, but they're coming up in a system where they're learning to maintain the status quo, mm-hmm. and so those 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 talented teachers that you're talking about from within our community would at least be able to shake the trees of those kid of those students as well, and we could potentially shake a few good ones out of there so that we can then start that. I, I think that's what it would look again. Like I said, from from our foundation everyone benefits and i think it would benefit all students not just black students of course black students being primarily uh the primary focus in light of the historical journey that we've had in this country and in the educational system since desegregation because there was never really any real integration which is why we lost most of our talented teachers
0: yeah yeah fired or demoted yeah and that's something Mm -hmm. that people don't want to people as people that something that people don't really want to talk about but see straight yeah we about to have a commercial break because I want you to walk me through this, right? And so for the commercial break, you about to do a commercial for uh, the McRibs. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, so, so was it amazing? Because you know, I remember, I remember having it when I was, I remember having it when I was young, right? You know, I haven't yeah. had it in, in in years. I would yeah. say decades. What What was it like?
2: It's like you would remember your your elementary school pressed together meat and then dipped in something and then thrown on a bun real quick with some pickles and some, some onions on it. Uh, it's a magical taste, bro. I'm just like, listen, if you want a little bit of magic in your life, if you want meat that you don't know where it really came from uh, and if you want it pressed together in the shape of something that you find pleasing and recognizable like a rib, uh, the McRib might just be for you. Uh and I had to run and take matters into my own yesterday to, I asked my wife two days ago to get me one and she never showed up with one. So I had to get up in the middle of the day today and go and grab a McRib. That's my commercial. Listen, if America's gonna feed us all hey, shout out to your wife, you know, peace and love and American weight. At least I can can get a piece of something that's false, like a McRib that tastes good. Stop, man
0: stop yo listen shout out to your wife for wanting to protect you want you to want to protect you and keep you on earth <laughs> so shout out to her um, no there. so so hey so, so, i'm putting you i'm putting you i'm putting you on on, on, on big screen i'm gonna read something to you and and, and i want to just see your reaction before i pull something up on put pull something up on the square right so mm-hmm. i would say you're pretty familiar with uh with rep john lewis right mm-hmm. being that he's from alabama being that he's a member of your fraternity and so, set the stage for us in terms of like what good trouble uh, looked like from the perspective of, of, of Rep. John Lewis.
1: Ooh, wow! So good trouble, man. Um, I think good trouble um, from my interactions um, with with Representative Lewis before his passing, it all centered on uh, moral clarity. And so when you have truth and moral clarity, then the work that you're doing in, advo- in advocating against oppressive systems uh, would quote unquote be classified as good. I consider pushing back against the status quo when I was working in a K through 12 public education system to be good trouble, although the trouble that uh, I found wasn't good to me. It was good for the students. And so good trouble means that sometimes I think you're going to have to sacrifice, unfortunately. Um, good trouble means that you have the moral clarity to know that what you're doing is is centered in a place of righteousness um, that's going to be for the benefit of those, not only within your community, but outside of your community. Um, thinking about where John Lewis was from down in Troy, which is not far from where I grew up, and you know, as part of the black belt there in Alabama. Um, thinking about, you know, his, his work in Selma, um, my dad as a teenager having marched on that, on that uh, the, the third march, the, the completed march from Selma to Montgomery, um, you know, they had moral clarity about what should have been and what needed to be. And I think uh, connecting that to educating our children We have to have more clarity about where we are, what should be, and how we're gonna get there. The question is, is how are we going to get there? Uh, And I don't think that being quiet is gonna get us any closer. I don't think that um, uh, 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 becoming a part of the system in a way that you're compromising who you are as an individual is going to get us there. Again, um, my wife says, said, she said, she said, if you go out here and lose your job, what are you gonna do? I said, I'll get another one. <clears> I said, because I, I can't, I said, our kids just started school this this year, but the kids that I was working with, the, the families that I was working these were all people who felt like family to me, you know, and so that good trouble piece means that I'm gonna have to step out there even when it's not the popular thing to do, even when it's not um the the thing to do that the status quo would want you to do in fact you should step out even more so which takes courage um mm-hmm. uh, that's my take well, so on
0: i am glad that you um, yeah and I'm, I'm glad you set that up the way you set it up and i'm glad i gave you enough time to 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 do, to do it in that manner
2: mm-hmm.
0: um because i just want to make clear that uh i don't know if, if, if the screen is up the screen yeah this ain't good trouble
2: <laughs> mm, educated. That's some
0: bullshit. but Chris, but Chris the, the crazy part about it is, look who they put on the screen. Yeah,
1: like, noticed, they, they, you, know, they put, they put, put know, us on the screen
0: like 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 like. There's they put a lot us on the screen like like we represent. I think that was started by
2: educators, actually so-called educators. I should put that in air quotes. Bruh. This is my thing, bro. Some of y'all go to all these big colleges and you come back confused. They said that in Mr. Window, lyrics from the 90s, bro. <laughs> go back, <laughs> look at it. Some of y'all like like join the system. I'm serious. Like These college yeah. teacher prep programs are re-education programs for Negroes that ought to know better. Mm-hmm. Some of them actually go into the system. They go to some of these Big colleges get in debt, become teachers, go into workforces, start rubbing elbows with white progressives, and suddenly they sound just like them. They're so system defending. They they could be they couldn't be more system defending. And this is why, yeah, we have to tell the truth. The bottom line is, you know, we, we speak power to power, but we have to speak truth to each other. And mm-hmm. and, and the thing about the truth is. Some of us go into all these systems as judges and and teachers and police officers and servicemen in the military, mm-hmm. and we come out just as racist and um, military-based as anybody else, right? Just as re- retru- uh, retri- retributive—that's that's the word for it—and and carceral in our thinking. Um, and these folks jumping out doing what you're you're putting right there on the screen are basically saying we need to let the system off the hook, yeah. right? We need to let the system off the hook. We they didn't spend too much time with the white progressive colleagues, right? And they starting to sound just like them. But here's the part that drives me crazy about it, Ray. And you know this. They afrocentricize <laughs> yes. it. Yes. They put, they, put they put a fist in yeah, it. They put some big ass earrings on it. And they <laughs> put the wrong hair colors and shit on it. And they just do all kinds of afroplastics, right? They put mm-hmm. all the afroplastics on it. And then it feels like the white folks really can use it then, because it's like these are real black people saying that none of us should be accountable to you, right, bruh? Stop it, just stop it. So, so, do, so, I Doug, blame you. When, I, when educator, I, think about all y'all, me. both of y'all, all y'all, y'all educated, no, no, don't, don't blame y'all.
0: me. Don't blame <laughs> me. Don't blame me. Let's <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 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 Doug, let's set, the, let's set the stage right, because when I think of PhDs, I think of either, uh, uh, um uh quant studies or I think of mixed studies, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think of qual studies because qual studies is more EDD, right? And so just looking at the numbers in general, right? We can say, is it fair to say that there's a great majority of teachers that occupy the space are white women
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then if you add the white men, that that number is going to get you probably about 87, 88% of the total teaching
2: force, mm-hmm. And then yep. you know you who is Is that fair to, to that? say? You know, you have to add to that, though. You're missing a group. Okay. Oh, what are you adding? And the people adding? of color in the system. So, first you have your white women, <laughs> yep. and then you have your yep. white men, and then you have the people of color that want to yep. be white women or white men. <laughs> so, <laughs> now that's oh, okay. That only and, yeah, listen, so, listen. And so, here, here's what I'm not going to do. That No, that's what
0: you're going to do. <laughs> I'm not, so, no, no, no! I'm not, I'm not doing. I'm not doing that today. I'm not doing that today. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm defending you, parents today. I'm and so you. listen, you're being real. You're being real right now. That's, yep. No, no, you're being real right now. And, and so, and and I appreciate that because mm-hmm. folks need to hear this, right? Because mm-hmm. they sit up and they make these arguments or whatever, or they feel like when you say something that attacks what they feel like air quotes is attacking to teachers, right? That you're talking about the the the, the six seven percent no i'm not talking about the six seven percent i'm talking about the 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 94 and so yeah. if you want to tie that shoe up and act like it's your shoe then that's on you i can't i can't help you with that but when we make criticisms towards teachers right we are talking about the teachers that don't do what they're supposed to be doing yep. we're talking about the folks that are not blessing their ass to, for, for black kids and brown kids. We're talking about the folks that, you know, you you pretty much got to beg them to go to work. And anytime you say something about going to work, they say we're going on strike. That's who we're talking
2: about. I mean, I you know what? You're talking about the same people. If they became a teacher, that's just one occupation. That same person could have became a cop or a judge Yep. or prosecutor or they could go down the line and they would have been their formal education prepared them to be any of those jobs. And to take their their cultural incompetence into any of those roles, oh. the difference is we're putting our ha- our kids in the hands of one of those groups every day. Ah, oh. right. Every day oh, yeah. we're, saying, we're saying, "Here yes. you go, here you go, white America. Here's eight million black children. Gift from us to you. Make some money off of them. Generate some pensions off of them. Make sure that you yep. pay for that summer vacation in Spain off of them. But we don't care if you if you send them back to us educated or not because. Black children are the new cotton, right? Black children are the cotton of the system. We're just going to hand over. We're the only race in America that wakes up every morning and takes our children and hand yeah. them over to another race, another completely group of people for their education, for their formative education. Now, why would we do that? Is it because history tells us that that's the right group to do it with? Is it because there's so many examples in history that that, that make that a good idea? I don't think so. no.
0: <laughs>
1: not and, at all, and, and, and not at all, that, but I I feel like this Oh no go ahead go ahead well In right, uh, doing and, that yeah I was, was just going to um piggyback off of that you know we're doing that even as um in public schools uh the uh racial minority student population is increasing all while the uh, I think the trend from the past 2 years was that uh, black teachers have, have been trending downward with regards to the numbers. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, 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 w- w- you're talking about handing more of our kids off to a system that is increasingly becoming uh, not being uh, facilitated by us and for us. And I won't even uh, touch on those individuals who. And, and here's the thing, you know, he, he said we're talking, we're gonna uplift parents today. But we got to keep it real with regards to those individuals who are in the system and who choose to maintain it. I've I've spoken with those folks. I've spoken with them and I've gotten two answers. A, either I'm trying to get mine or B, I don't have any other option to take care of my family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, do what you want with that. But it is real. And so these people are cognizant of the fact that they are. right perpetuating and maintaining this in this system mm-hmm. so, <laughs> so I, let me let me share can i share so, a real quick point? so oh yeah go ahead. Go ahead. oh real quick so so the last high go school, school was, right? yeah real quick I, I i convinced the principal to allow me to conduct a uh, workshop on uh cultural competence in education right we had 85 percent black students at this high school white teachers and the uh, discipline disparities all all were there and I pulled all this data and I went and I said, this is why I need to do this. She said, great, do it. So I conducted, you could hear a pin drop in there except for one or two of the black teachers who were willing to quote unquote testify. Afterwards, probably 75% of the black teachers came and whispered in my ear and dapped me up. And I was like, oh my gosh, are are we on the Underground Railroad and we we can't talk mm-hmm. even in public about the everything in the room?
2: <laughs> that's you know, exactly it, what it, it is. It
1: blew my mind. And so I just wanted to throw that piece out there about what's really going on, like as of today. Yeah.
2: I think that's really important though. This last piece yeah. that you said was because when I was a school board member, some of my best informants about the system were teachers of color in the system. Mm-hmm. They pulled me aside everywhere I went. They pulled me aside and said, "What you really need to look into is such and such." Give <laughs> yep. me like these things, and I'd go look into them, and I'd find exactly what they said. But the part that killed me about that was, you guys have been in this system for a long time, and you know all this information that you tell me to go look into, which is all right and is correct. But what are you doing with that information besides that, though? Right. Like like so you know all this negative stuff, but you they still gonna slap on a red t-shirt when it comes time to march about that contract. <laughs> yep. Right. And I've <laughs> never I've Yo, yet never teachers I've yet to see a teachers union throw on the t-shirts, the red for red t-shirts or any of them, and put on the sneakers and march for better outcomes or better teachers or better Ooh. instruction or better classroom instruction. Cause we know that classroom instruction is piss poor, especially for kids of color. And I haven't yet to see a protest for that. I haven't seen no movement for Black lives have no protest around the crappy-ass classroom instruction that is offered to the Black child, like scraps off of the instructional tables from the rest of the world. Right? Oh. Right? And it, where's the march? Where's the march at? You tell me. Hey, hey, so, get your so, people. So, I'm not so, talking okay, about I'm, I am got, I got, I got something for you. To right? get together, so,
0: so, so. Here's what, here's what I'm going to say to that, right? What I'm going to say to that is the folks that are hearing this right now, yeah, he came for teachers. But the thing that you have to realize or the thing that you have to understand is did he come for you? And if you can say, yes, he came for you, then you're a shit-ass teacher and he should have came for you. That's what mm-hmm. I'm saying today. And that's nothing against teachers, but that's forcing you to be critical about what's expected from you in terms of when you teach our babies, Right? Yeah. To teach in our communities, to teach black and brown kids, that is an honor
2: to do and, that. And Ray, can I right? just say something too, just in my own defense, yeah, on, in my own defense, I yeah. did not come for teachers. I came for anti-blackness. I came for the long nope. line of unceasing historic anti-blackness that manifests itself in the shape of a teacher or a cop or a judge. Mm-hmm or some mm-hmm. other authority. But when I come for yeah. that, it's not. I'm not narrowly picking on a group of people. I'm fighting the same dragon yes. in every one of those things. And the, the dragon is historic anti-blackness that has had material consequences in the lives of black people. So when I come for you as a teacher, a cop, a judge, a jury, a journalist, um, a politician, whatever, it's not about your ilk not about your ilk. It's about the role you play in anti-blackness. And if you can say to yourself, I am not playing the role in anti-blackness that he is criticizing, it's not about you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When you pull that veil-
2: Thank you for clarifying that.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. When when you pull the veil off of that dragon of anti-blackness, that's when it becomes an issue. Because most people don't want to be, I say most, the individuals that I've interacted with they don't want to learn about it because it makes them too uncomfortable mm-hmm. my thing is you will not grow unless you push put yourself in a situation where you can experience that uncomfortableness uh because there is so much at risk and so you know I, I, again i don't mean to be a choir or an, or an amen corner but i i think y'all are nailing it man um you know t- people getting mad you're coming for teachers Well, only hit dogs holla right
0: <laughs> hey, I'm, not, I'm not i'm not i'm not doing this with y'all today i'm not, gonna do this today. I'm, not I'm not doing it i'm not gonna do it with you. but but right, i will i will get to the last segue of uh of, of what we came on here to talk about today and uh and i will set this up nice for y'all um let me get the solo layout all right so so we got we got lily garcia right and so background on lily garcia right now she is she is being uh considered uh, as a matter of fact, from my sources, uh, she is a strong possibility of the education secretary to be uh, awarded by uh, President Joseph R. Biden Jr. And so her background is that she taught from 1980 to 1989. Uh, she taught the fourth grade, the fifth grade and the sixth grade. Um, in 1989, she was the Utah teacher of the year. Um, and from that, she ascended to uh, the ranks of of of, uh, of union, um, what we call it, uh, uh, the union presidency or whatever. Mm -hmm. I was going to say something else, but it would have got me in trouble. Um, so I want to describe, uh, Utah's, uh, Utah's landscape, right? So Utah, according to the 2010, uh, census is 88.6% white or European Mm -hmm. 2.8% Asian American 1.8% American Indian, 1.6% African American, 1.3% Pacific Islander, and 13% uh, Latino of any race, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have someone that was in a state. Oh, and then also, um, and I'll exit the screen now, is that uh, Utah ranks uh, number 11 in educational attainment and it ranks 8 in quality of education out of the out of the 50 states.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, it's interesting too the, right? the, the next part to the setup eight, is any Yeah, but anything that breathes is going to be better than Betsy DeVos, right? <laughs> Let me set y'all up right there. I don't know about that. And so you can jump in now. Uh, straight we'll, we'll start with you and
2: I, I knew you would take that position so <laughs> I don't know that anything like, no, listen, i'll just be like this like i said i don't know that anything that breeze will be better than her because what white supremacy has done to us over time has taught us that the next thing can be worse than the last thing right if there's any less if there's any lesson we should have learned in history we thought we were free and then came jim crow right like so um so white supremacy is a uh interesting uh chameleon it can show up in different forms and, and do damage to us. Um, listen, I don't know if, if uh Lily taught because I don't know if any of her students learned. So <laughs> that would be um, that would be my first position on it. My second position is I wouldn't ask the question whether she's right or if anybody is right, as much as I would ask the question that goes back to the heart of things. Have you participated in anti-blackness and to what extent? And if I ask that question of Lily in her resume, she has fought Black educational freedom as viciously as anybody. Mm-hmm. She comes along with a little guitar and she sounds happy-dappy and she smiles and blinks in all the right ways that give white, white America all the fuzzies that they need to know that she's with them. And at the same time, she's been a vicious, vicious attack dog on Black educational freedom, charter schools, parental choice, uh, anything outside of uh, unionized district, public schools, has caught her hands. So if I ask the question differently of any of the candidates, have you participated um, in in anti-blackness in any form and to what extent and what were the material consequences? Um, that will answer the question for me. And, and by that, by those questions, she's not the person. Mm-hmm. She's just not the person. I don't care if like, you know, this is the other thing too, people, go, oh, you know, well, she's Latino and all these Latino groups are lining up behind her or whatnot. That should be another lesson for us too like when we talk about white supremacy and we talk about anti-blackness we can't (laughs) talk about those as if (laughs) as if it presents people of other ethnicities or colors from participating Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah (laughs)
2: okay
0: i think i think he froze hey uh uh uh, jump ahead doc
1: yo uh, again we we were we were chatting before we got started, and um, yeah, I, I do despise DeVos, um, but when you asked me initially, I think through a message, <laughs> <laughs> my response was garbage. Uh, when you asked me about the pick, and not that I, that's not a personal attack, but just like what C Straight was talking about, it's garbage with regards to her approach to. Um, addressing the specific and the verifiable needs of Black students. And the only word, and, you know, excuse me, but, you know, just because there are a few letters behind my name doesn't mean that I I have to be all sophisticated and using, uh, you know, 10-syllable words all the time, but the only word that came to mind was garbage. And I I think the pendulum (laughs) has swaying, you know, from DeVos all the way 180 degrees to the other side. Uh, with the entire scale being that of white supremacy, Uh, just like she straight just highlighted. And that's why, you know, while DeVos, I'm I'm glad to see her go, right now we have even more of a fight uh, because there are so many of us who view this lady or who will view her as an ally. And from what I've seen of her background, a little bit of Research that I've done, she she's not necessarily an ally to, to black educators, and definitely not one to black students. And, and and that's where I am, you know.
0: And so listen, I, so I I, honestly, uh, I'm I'm glad you said that, right? Because uh, there's some there's something. I mean, so listen, when you when you are uh, primed to go in in front of a a, a Senate uh, commission to determine your worthiness. All kinds of things come out of your background in terms of things that you've said in speeches and things that you've done or whatever. Right. So if you're quoted in a speech as calling kids chronically targeted Or medically hard to work with. Right medically annoying those are the kids that are so much annoying me- i'm sorry med- medically medically annoying right those are the kids that f- that face so much so much discrimination under a uh, betsy devos uh uh oh, four yeah. years because she pretty much uh turned you know, back everything that was put in place in order to help those particular kids exactly. so now you have someone that comes in that may not be divorced, but has the same animus towards kids with special needs uh that's that's not gonna work for me. It's not gonna work for me. And no. so to close us out, what I want what I want you guys to do, uh I, I want you guys to and I'm, and you can wrap this into your final. because I want you real
2: quick, just, yeah, just uh, real quick. Yeah. Just one sentence. I will not vote for another Democrat yeah. for a decade if he <laughs> picks Lily. Because it won't just be about her as a bad pick. It will Bro, be about her, it will be about him as a transactional politician signaling to signaling to the black people that just got him elected that honestly at the end of the day i'm a transactional politician i'm not looking for somebody to be a uniter i don't care if black people support uh parental choice in charter schools uh just as this is what we do we got unions we got teachers unions they got it they got an agenda and i'm president now this is what i'm gonna pick go ahead and do it play with me biden why have happen? <laughs> play with me. You got you got my vote on the skinny skin of your skinny skin dentures right now. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, bro. Let me tell you right now. You playing with yeah. the wrong voter, like because I'm a I'm a black education voter. So so don't play with me. Yeah, particularly we see what we do. I'm yeah. sorry, bro. I didn't so, mean the high show. You go ahead, man. Do your thing.
0: no, yo, no, no, no. No worries, man. You you did it. A- you did an excellent job. Listen, so uh, so I want to I wanna frame your final thoughts into uh, whatever your final thoughts are, and then who you would uh, select a person that you think would be a really good, not the perfect candidate, because I don't think there are any perfect candidates. I think that everybody's going to come with their own bag of garbage. But who would you be able to tolerate? Uh, and Doc, we'll start with you.
1: Uh, well, fi- final words is uh, number one with regards to um, solidifying our base and that is that base being parents. Um, I encourage everyone who's listening, all, all of us here who are already doing it, to continue to rally parents to inform uh, on those things that they may not have access to or that they may be oblivious to, to share your experiences as well. Number one, I think that's how we start that coalition building amongst parents, uh, to build that power for power, to so speak power with power, because that's what's going to uh, correlate to votes, exactly what you, he, he talked about. With regards to the... Oh, I cannot think of her name. She's from Indianapolis, I think, um, sister. Um, uh, you have to forgive me, but uh, I don't know a lot about her. But what I did... I can't remember her name for right now, senior moment. Uh, um, but she would probably be my pick of the individuals that I know of right now. Um, Whoever it is, I don't think it should be a union person. I don't know if this individual was or not, but I, I we need someone who's who's open to everything, and not just one thing, whether it be the DeVos side or 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 uh, Garcia side. We, we need someone who's open to everything because if you're open to everything, then you're open to really addressing the needs of our kids, and that's where I am. Mm-hmm.
0: That's mm-hmm. what's up, bro. I appreciate you uh you you, you coming through uh, straight. I think I know what you're going to say but go ahead. <laughs> well, I
2: mean first of all it's not going to be me. I mean I am, you know like what kind of upside down world is this? But um listen, this is what I think. I want somebody who who has the top education job in the United States that has uh, has receipts and results for educating children, specifically children that have been marginalized and racialized as outgroups. And if you have those receipts, then you're, you're past step one. That's the step one of the gate for me. Mm-hmm. Do you have any receipts for successfully educating uh, in a way that's uh, verifiable, um, marginalized children, children who have been racialized as black and racialized as, as brown and, and, and uh, other groups that have been made out groups? Number two, um, you know, black folks are the fastest growing group of homeschoolers in the Mm -hmm. United States. Are you only able to speak about kids in the traditional public school system and you don't have any depth or range to be able to speak about every American child? Because if you can't, because, you know, American children come in all flavors and we have a president who says he wants to be a president of all America, which means he needs to be the president of unschooled America, homeschooled America, magnet schooled America, charter schooled America. So if you're an ed secretary pick and you spend all your time just thinking about how district traditional district public schools can keep their money, then you're wrong you're probably wrong for the job. We want an educator, somebody who understands mm-hmm. educational philosophy and 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 praxis. Like where philosophy actually meets practice and and and, and do you have those goods? And then I'll probably pick you. Someone like uh, Dr. Santalias in Baltimore, I think is a good candidate. Janice Jackson in um, in uh, Chicago, I think is a good one. Margaret Fortune in California, I think would be a fantastic um, pick somebody who understands it all actually I think Margaret's probably the best out of all of them because she understands the teaching the teacher prep part, the um, running alternative schools, the homeschooling part. she comes from a tradition of educators a tradition of uh, educators that educated within and without this uh, inside the system so um, or you know listen the the job itself, doesn't have all the power in the world doesn't mean you're going to be doing actual educating so someone like vanessa siddle walker somebody that uh i think could cover everybody's basis she's got the historical knowledge she understands teaching and learning and she's got like a, a understanding of where we come from so that would be my pick
0: okay that's what's up bro i appreciate you guys coming on uh let me let me get my closing thoughts and let me talk about my pick it's probably gonna piss y'all off and it's probably gonna make the show go a little bit longer but
2: Oh, hey. here we go so
0: i got i got two, i have two picks right so i have uh a a a high-end uh feel like you know this person would do a really good uh an amazing job and then i have someone who i could stomach over uh over the person that is in to t- uh current contention in, in miss garcia so the first person that I would pick, and, and, you know, I wrote about this or whatever. Uh, actually, I think I was probably the first person to write about this. Uh, I didn't get any uh, any survey attention or anything like that from Bright but that's okay because you're still the big homie. But anyways, uh, Sonia would be uh, uh, Sonia, Dr. Sonia Santeliz, uh down in Baltimore City Public Schools. I feel like she's done an amazing job. I like her approach to literacy. Um, I would like to see uh, more results, considering the fact that I am a taxpayer in Baltimore. I want to see those kids uh, do better on standardized testing uh, nationwide. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a process. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. So if people are like, hey, you know, you know, where's her receipts? It takes time in order for you to get receipts in a system that has been historically bad and has historically disenfranchised black kids. And then the person that I could stomach. Right. I could stomach uh uh dr julian Helik vasquez and here's why right i feel like he's a person to where like if, 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 if,
2: if, 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 if people have
0: a if people have a back line to him if people have a <laughs> if people have a back line to him i feel like he's a person that you could you can talk to and you can make him move away uh, so like i said earlier i'm i'm far right he's far left we can meet in the middle on some things And I think that being able to meet in the middle on some things is how we're gonna get things done in education. So uh, that's where I'm at. Feel free to refute it.
2: (laughs) Bro, what are you drinking tonight? Like you were doing good. You did that on purpose. You did this on purpose. Listen, I don't know anybody in the running who swims in anti-blackness more than Julian. (laughs) I I, I literally, literally of all the people running, I don't know anybody who has a longer track record of anti-blackness than Julian. I watched Julian stand up in L.A. in front of a group of people and say, our Black leaders were educated in segregated schools, which makes them think that it's okay. We have to educate our Black leaders to let them know that it's not okay. Julian went to a white private school and his Black professor dad put him in that white school to get (laughs) an education. Now he's anti-choice. This is the same thing that Clarence Thomas did. (laughs) <laughs> Clarence Thomas was too young and had an unremarkable legal record and he was an affirmative action hire for, the, for a lifetime appointment on the, on the Supreme Court and the moment he got there, he was against affirmative action, right? When he couldn't have been more beneficial. You should go back and read what Cornell West wrote at the time, right, about him ascending that way and then closing the door on it for others behind him, which is something that a lot of us do. Let's be real. Were you just make? Were you just trying to like bait me with that and be a troll? Know. Are you really, really putting that on your list? You already know. You just gave me podcast magic. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay I just want to be real here. I just want to be real <laughs> look, speak power to power, speak truth to each other. Yeah. That exactly. would be that would be a black catastrophe, a blastrophe.
1: <laughs> That's what that would be. <laughs> You know, I, I'm not familiar with a lot of people, but I am familiar with that gentleman. And, yeah. Yeah, it's a no-go for me. It's a, it's a no for me. <laughs> it's a no for me, dog. Uh, it's anti-blackness for me.
0: <laughs> you, you guys have been listening to the Eduperience podcast. I appreciate you. Look forward to talking to you guys next week. Peace. Thank you. <laughs>